We are to respect our brothers and sisters, people that does ministry different than us. They're not wrong. We're not right. You know, when you look at the disciples, there were 12 different disciples with 12 different personalities, 12 different methods. And then, you know, John is just lying on the chest of Jesus and Peter wants to pull a sword. He's the feisty one. Hallelujah. But God used them. God used them to make a tremendous impact for the kingdom. And so I want to encourage you tonight that, that we need to come to a point, if we want to be effective in ministry, we need to start by respecting our brothers and sisters in the faith. Love on them. If they are wrong, pray for them. Don't slander them. Don't talk bad about them. Love them. Pray for them. Support them. Invite them for a coffee. Have a discussion with them. And, uh, and then you will see a result. We do not see results and we are not good ambassadors to the kingdom when we uh, mistreat our, our brothers and sisters in the faith. Amen. You know, the vision is like a cancer. It attacks the body. We are the body of Christ. And so when we have the vision, it's like a cancer. You know, we're not effective. We're sick. Um, and so we need to stop doing that. We need to be, work together. We are working together for a higher purpose, a bigger goal. And that is to bring people to Jesus and give Jesus uh, the glory and the honor and for the price He has paid for our lives. In Jesus' name. Now, my name is Johandre Potgitter, if you didn't know. I'm 27 years old. I was lost and I'm found. I was dead and I'm now alive. I was bound, but I am free. Come on, if there's a blood-washed, a spirit-filled uh, person in this house, just clap your hands and shout to Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm excited for tonight. I want to share a, uh, a short uh, thought with you tonight. You know, I talk hard, fast, and direct. I'm an evangelist, and uh, I get to the point. <laughs> You know, um, I'm, I'm so thankful for Andre. You know, he's a, a phenomenal teacher. And uh, since uh, he's come into my life, um, ministry just blew up. My, my knowledge of the word just grew. And uh, I just want to honor you, Andre, for coming all the way to Uppington. He's traveling with me. He's a, he has three children. He has a business. He has a wife. You know, a wife is a full-time job, eh? So, <laughs> and still he makes time to support a young man like myself. So thank you so much, Andre. I love you and I honor you tonight. Amen, amen. I want to get into the Word tonight, and I, was, I like to give titles to my messages, and it, it was so hard to you know, give this message a title. I don't really know what to call it. So let's just call it the titleless sermon. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, you're so welcome to go with me to Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to read you one portion of Scripture tonight. <laughs> One body, brother. One body. One spirit. One spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Maybe I'm preaching the same sermon as you tonight. Who knows? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I've, I've found, Robin, that sometimes people need to hear the same message multiple times. So if I preach the same message tonight, just be excited. And just act as, as if you've never heard it before. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter... Exodus. Uh, ach, where's my Acts? I'm with the Holy Spirit now. Eh? <laughs> Exodus chapter 33 verse 11. Listen to the word of the Lord. 33 verse 11, yeah. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua the son of Nun, a young man would not depart 
from the tent. I want to read that passage of scripture again. Listen to this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Now the Bible says that when uh, Moses uh, you know, led the, the people of Israel out of, of, out of slavery, out of bondage, they were like moving in the wilderness and God instructed Moses to, to uh, uh, get a tent, a tent of, uh, they call it the tent of uh, Tabernacle in Afrikaans. What is in English, the English folks? That thing, yes. I can't Afrikaans, I can't Engels, but it's hard. So forgive me. I can't speak Afrikaans. My best Engels will eat all vanavond. Hallelujah. For my, uh, is it Brazil? For my Brazilian friend, I just, I said I love you and uh, you are wonderful. Welcome tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> So, so the Israelites got the stint of, of gathering where Moses would go in and he would hear from the Lord to get direction for the people of Israel. And the Bible says that he had an assistant, Joshua, a young man. And when Moses would go into the tent, the Bible says that, that Joshua would go with him. And when Joshua heard from the Lord, he would depart. He was happy, he heard the word of the Lord, he would go and give direction to the nation of Israel. But Joshua had a different spirit. There were an appetite and a hunger for the presence of God in the life of Joshua. He, did, he wasn't the type of guy that went in by six and came out by seven. He wasn't the type of guy that wanted to watch a series or want to get finished with church, just get the service done, stop preaching, pastor. Um, he loved the presence of God. You know, I was listening to Billy Graham the other day. It's so funny. He said, I heard a, a joke one time. A, a guy was invited to speak at a big uh, evangelistic event. And it was a hot day. And this preacher had 20 minutes to speak. But after 40 minutes, he was still speaking. After 50 minutes, he was still speaking. And so a guy on the stage just had enough. And so he took a microphone and he threw it at the speaker from behind. But he missed him and hit the lady in the front, of the, uh, the front row. And she screamed back at him, throw me again, I can still hear him. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm going to get to the point tonight. So here's Joshua. He he's stayed in the, in the tent. He was hungry. He was hungry for the presence of God. And uh, you know, God saw a different spirit in Joshua. He saw that Joshua was a man that could be trusted with the presence of God. And you know, a time came when Moses died, he was no more, and then God had to choose a new leader for the nation of Israel. And it's surprising, not, well, not surprising to me that he chose Joshua. And you should understand that there were multiple leaders in Israel that was, you know, they could do the job, they could lead Israel. But God chose a young man called Joshua. And we should ask the question, why? Why did God choose this guy to, to lead a massive nation like Israel into the promises of God, into the promised land? And I have come to this conclusion that God chose him because he could be trusted with the presence. Friends, I want to submit to you tonight, if you want to walk in the promises of God, you need to live in the presence of God. I want to say that again, again tonight. If you want to walk in the promises of God, you need to live in the presence of God. Listen, so Joshua... We see Moses led the people out of bondage and out of slavery, but God chose Joshua to lead him into the promise. God um, trusted Joshua with the, with the magnitude of the promises of the promised land because he was a man that could be trusted with the presence of God. Now, when you look at Joshua in the Old Testament and you, and you look at his name in Hebrew, it is Yeshua. So there's a direct connection between Joshua in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament because Jesus' Hebrew name is Yeshua. So there's a direct a connection to the, uh, between them. Listen, Joshua 
led Israel into the promise that God made to the people of Israel. He led them into the promise. And now, in the New Testament, God makes us a promise, uh, the promise of eternal life. He said that if you call upon the name, the name of the Lord, of, on Jesus, my son, you will be saved. Jesus, uh, the Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. So now a new promise comes to the forefront, the promise of eternal life. And we see that to act, have access to this promise of eternal life, we yet again need to function from a position of the presence. Jesus, Jesus was a gateway to the presence of God. He was the door. Jesus referred to himself as the way, the truth, and the life. The way to God. But the only way to have access to this God, this wonderful, almighty God, is through the presence of Jesus. To his presence. When you call upon, when you believe upon the name of Jesus, when you come through the presence of Jesus, you have access to eternal life. Joshua lived in the presence and he was qualified for the promise. Jesus is the very presence where we go through to have access to God. Do you, do you see that? Hallelujah. What's your name? Because I see, as the Afrikaans, Engels, I see the whole time, the track is not going to be able to do Die Heere wil die jare teruggeven wat vir jou teruggeven wat die vijand van jou gesteel het. Ek hoor dat als die jare gesteel van jou, het goed gebeur wat onrechtvaardig is, maar ek hoor die Heere sê van naand herstellig die jare wat die vijand gesteel het in Jesus naam. Halleluja. Halleluja. Praise Heere. So Jesus is the way to eternal life. Now, He is the door, He is the gateway to eternal life through the presence of Jesus. Now, you know, I, I read a shocking statistic the other day. They say that 85% of people that make a decision for Christ in massive events, crusades, church services around the world, 85% of those people that make that decision does not stay with Christ. It is proven. It's a proven statistic. They do not stay with Christ. And now I should ask the question, why? What happens in that meetings? Why aren't people staying, uh, you know, or committing to their decision to follow Christ? Only 15% stay with Christ. Billy Graham said if, if 5% of all the people that came to Christ in these meetings were, that were millions, that's a lot. Something is wrong. Why is so little, such a little amount of people staying with Jesus? I think I have found the problem. You know, God has given us gifts to communicate the gospel. He has given us gifts to reach the world. But when it stays with a gift, it will be ineffective. I'm going to give you three keys, I believe, that, is the, 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 that, that I have found in my life, the, the way to effective evangelism and, in essence, to effect, effective preaching. I want you to write this down quickly tonight. The three Ps, I call it the three Ps. I just gave it a name earlier today, the three Ps. The first word you can write down is presence. Yes, it's hot, eh? Lux squirrel, Uppington's warm. You can write it down, presence, presence. The second word is power. And then the third word is promise. Presence, power, and promise. Now I want to show you something. The presence of God cultivates the power of God to lead people into the promises of God. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, And you will receive power. Let me read it to you. And you will but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, what the Bible is saying, it says, and you will receive power. 
when what happens? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, to do what? To be an effective witness. So in essence, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it is a presence that comes upon you. And this presence cultivates the power to do what? To be an effective witness and in essence lead people into the promise of God, which is eternal life. So if we want to be effective ministers of the gospel, we need to function from a position of the presence. We need to prioritize the presence of God. The presence of God cultivates the power of God to lead people into the uh, promises of God. You know, a lot of people, as I referred to it earlier, a lot of people has tremendous great gifts to, to be a communicator, to communicate the word of God, to communicate the gospel. But when we just use our gifts uh, to communicate, in essence what it becomes is entertainment. Now you see in Gospel Crusades, it's more entertainment show than the gospel being preached with power and demonstration. And so we are entertaining people with our gifts. And what happens? The emotions are stirred with the lights and the music and the wonderful ability to speak. And we stir the emotions. And based on emotions, people respond and they come to the altar call. They come forward. And then as the emotions fade, they, they fall away. It's not effective. What needs to change? Friends, I want to tell you that we need to live in the presence. Because the presence gives us, gives us the power. The power, what is the power? The power is the anointing. Listen, good communication and charisma and my ability to speak cannot break the chains and the yokes and the bondages upon your life. The Bible declares it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. The anointing is the power of God that comes from where? The presence of God. The presence of God gives us the power of God, which is the anointing, to do what? To lead people into the presence of God, which is eternal life, uh, into the promises of God, which is eternal life. And so if we want to be effective in communicating the gospel, and if we want to see lasting results, if we want to see disciples being made, we need to prioritize the presence. Joshua was not looking to, for leadership position. He was not looking to be recognized by Moses. He was prioritizing the presence. He loved on Jesus. And then God said, you're a man that can be trusted. I see that you're, you're trustworthy with my presence. I will appoint you as the leader, and you will lead the people into the promise. Can you be trusted with the presence of God tonight? Listen, Billy Graham said there's three essential keys to effective evangelism. Prayer, prayer, and prayer. What is prayer? It's practicing the presence. I saw a, a great uh, quote the other day from Suzette Hattang. She said, without prayer, no prayer, no harvest. If no true harvest, we can entertain people with, and, and play on their emotions. That will not save anybody. You'll entertain them for a moment and then what? They go back to their lifestyle. They go back into bondage. They go back into sin. But when the Spirit of God shows up, when you live out of the presence of God, the anointing is being cultivated in the inside of you. And you break chains and yokes and bondages. Without the Holy Ghost, without the power of God, Peter betrayed Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He was in the Jesus crowd. And he betrayed Jesus. But when Peter received the power of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, suddenly a boldness came upon him. Suddenly a power came upon him. And then when he stood up to preach the word of God, 3,000 people were added to the church in one moment. People, what was the difference? It was the power. Where did the power come from? Well, he and his friends were spending time, a bit of time in the presence. The presence, the power, the promise. What I want to do tonight is I want to provoke a hunger for His presence. I want us to get to a point where we get back to basics. Prioritize His presence. You know, when I met Jesus, <laughs> wow. 
I wanted Him. His presence. I would lay on my face day and night. Day and night. And I would call on to Jesus. I didn't know what ministry is. I came, came out of a little small church. You know, it's that type of church. That was the church I grew up in. I, I didn't know massive men of God on platforms and big ministries. I grew up in isolation. I'm a small town boy. I didn't know anything. What I knew, I love Jesus. He saved me. He, I was dead and He made me alive. And I love this man of Galilee. Hallelujah. And as I, as I you know, spend time in my, in, my, in my prayer closet or my room or whatever you want to call it, I met with the King of Kings. And I got a new Jesus. And suddenly I sensed a power coming upon me. And the desire, this power drove me <laughs> to lead people into the promise of eternal life. And then I started preaching to people, you know, the first time I preached ever. You know, people look at someone on Facebook and online, they think, ah, oh, you know, you're a big guy. Listen, the first time I preached to someone, I was, <laughs> I was so excited, let me tell you this, this is so funny. I was, I was preaching, I was making Facebook videos and stuff, and, uh, and then I got an my first ever invitation, brother, to preach at a youth group. And, you know, I grew up, if you go to church, you put on a suit and a tie. If I don't have my tie on properly, my mom slaps me. And uh, she fixes my time, and that's what, uh, where I grew up in. And so I got my first ever invitation to preach at a, at a youth group. Thank you, Pika, sorry. At a youth group. I'll stand like this. And uh, I was so excited, you know. I, I told my wife, which was my girlfriend at, at the time, I told her, listen, we need to pray now. We were fasting for a week for that meeting. We were desperate to see God move. I didn't know how it looked like, but I knew God there to move. And so we fasted for a week. We didn't eat. We didn't drink. We were on our faces before God, seeking Him and begging Him, Lord, pour out your Spirit. Save whoever will be in that meeting. Move, move, move. We want you to move. We want you to move, Lord. Do for them what you have done for me. And then they made a nice poster of me. I thought, wow, things are getting big. <laughs> the Lord's blessing me. And... Uh, I were, so they sent me the location, and I drove, my wife and I drove to the location. And uh, it's weird, it wasn't a church. It, like, it was someone's house. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this sucks. I wanted to stand behind the pulpit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I went into the house, and, uh, and I walked in with a suit. And here, there's, a, there's four, four people, four children, young youth people. They have PJs on. I'm like, what's happening? And their parents are greeting me at the door. Hey, you Andre, welcome, welcome, welcome. Are you, gonna, are you the speaker tonight? Yes, I'm the speaker. Where am I speaking? No, in the bedroom, in their bedroom. And so I walk with full on suit, brother. I walk into the bedroom. I walk into the bedroom and, uh, and everybody jumped on the bed and they said, welcome, you can preach now. And here I stand with my suit and my Bible like this, with a bed in front of me, four children sitting on the bed and that, that is my audience for the night. Well, I was, I was uh, disappointed, and while I was standing there, the Lord asked me a question. If you can be trusted with four children on the bed in a bedroom on a Friday night, there's no limitation to what I will give you. And that night, I preached the hell out of that four children. <laughs> I baptized them. I laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. It was a move of God in the bedroom of a 16-year-old. Hallelujah. 
And I, there I learned to love Jesus. You know, I don't understand what platforms are. I don't understand all these great ministry things. I knew that I wanted to know Jesus more, more and more desperately, and I want other people to know him. And I would lie on my face and pray and ask the Lord, please, Lord, please, if I can lead someone to you, if I can lead someone, just one, Lord, just one more, just please, Lord, just give me the opportunity. Lord, I want to share your promises. I want, the, I want them to partake in the promise of eternal life. Suddenly, the, the Lord opened doors for me. And then I got invitation to, to youth groups, not four, but ten. And then it went to twenty. And then we got big to forty. And suddenly the Lord started opening doors. And doors. And doors. And my platform grew. And grew. And grew. And we reached a thousand people a month. And a hundred thousand a, a month. And two hundred thousand. And five hundred thousand. And now we're reaching three million people a month. But it started with four people in a bedroom. Desperate. I was desperate for them to know Jesus. And I was desperate for them to partake in this promise of eternal life. And to taste and see, brother Werner, the Lord is good. That's where I started. And friends, I want to submit to you tonight that if we can get back to that hunger for Jesus, prioritizing His presence, we will see a harvest and a move of God that will not be contained in this nation. I'm telling you. You know, we are, how many people are we tonight? 30, 40? If we would just cry out to the Lord tonight. Lord, use us. Yes, Lord. Use us, Lord. <laughs> if we would fall in love with this presence again, not chasing a platform or a ministry, not even looking for, to, for someone to witness to, just loving on Jesus, practicing His presence, living in His presence. Joshua lived in His presence. Hallelujah. And then the Lord made him the leader of Israel. And he led God's people into the promised, promised land. And tonight, there is a promise made to everyone on the face of the earth. God said it's not his will that anyone should perish. Not, not one. And the Bible says the, 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 the earth is eagerly waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. It's waiting for us to walk, to live in the presence to demonstrate His power and to lead people into the present, after into the promises. I sense His presence tonight. What will happen if we decide tonight <laughs> to prioritize His presence once again? What will happen in Uppington? What will happen in the Northern Cape? What will happen in your town, brother? In your town, brother. And in Brazil. Shake Brazil. Shake it. You have the power. You have it. It's upon your life. Shake South Africa. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shake whatever country you want to. Yeah. 
Just like that. Just drink of his praises. Come on, he's here in this place. Enjoy him tonight. <laughs> Enjoy him tonight. I sense the love of God tonight, and He wants to soften hardened hearts, yes. arrogant hearts. There's a desperation in your heart at night for His presence once more. I want to encourage you to come to the front and kneel. And we are going to pray. We're going to trust the Lord tonight that He will once again renew your zeal. Let's, let's come. Let's be quiet. Let's uh, stay aware of Him tonight. Cry out to Jesus tonight. He's here in this place. Hallelujah. Meet with him in the tent. Meet with him tonight. Not looking for a platform. Not looking for open doors. Look for him. Cry out to Jesus tonight. Cry out to Jesus. Seek first the kingdom. Seek God. I want to share a story with you. I have a newborn baby. She's uh, almost two months old. And yesterday I was sitting in my office and I was very busy and rushed all over. And my little girl was staring in my eyes, just loving on, his, on her daddy. She didn't care who I was, what I had. She didn't care what car I drove, what platform I have, if I reached millions or not. She just wanted to be in the arms of her daddy. She wanted my affection and my attention. And when I saw that love in that baby girl's eyes, my immediate reaction of my heart was, yes. Whatever you need, yes. Whatever you want, yes. Because she was loving on her father. Listen tonight, if you will start loving on your daddy. Werner, loving on your daddy. I love you, daddy. I love the song that Werner sings. Loving on his daddy then you would see something happen and move in your life like never before. Cry out to Him. I want to hear you pray. Come on. Lift up your voices to Jesus tonight. Come on, cry out. Cry out to Him tonight. Cry out to Jesus tonight. Come on. Be desperate for His presence tonight. Be desperate for a touch of the Holy Ghost tonight. Come on. How hungry are you? Touch him, Lord. Touch him, Lord. Raise him up, Jesus. Cry out for your town. Cry out for your province. Cry out for your country tonight.